We are starting a, uh, on our theme for this month as let's say, but traditionally, we keep November our family month. All right, so we want to focus a bit on the family. I want to teach today and really give you some things that you can chew on and think about and, and work on them. And I want to speak under the title, Family, the Building Block of Society. Actually, it's our theme for the entire month. Family, the Building Block of Society. Join hands with your neighbor, please, as we go into the word. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you grant me boldness to speak your word. Let me speak as of the oracles of God. Anoint my lips, Father, I pray. Anoint our hearts and anoint our ears to hear. Pour upon us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I pray that as this word comes forth, bring enlightenment, knowledge, and wisdom. For the entrance of your word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. Thank you, Father, for anointing my lips of clay, that as I speak, I speak by the anointing of God. Grant me great utterance in the Holy Spirit and great boldness. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Psalms 68, verse 5 and verse 6. Talking about God, it says, He is a father to the fatherless. A judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Verse 6. I'll read the King James Bible. God setteth the solitary in families. He brings out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. The contemporary Jewish Bible read, God in his holy dwelling is a father of orphans, a defender of widows. God gives homes to those who are alone and leads prisoners out into prosperity, but rebels must live in a parched wasteland. God is a God of family. Can I hear an amen? amen? Yeah, God is the one who began a family, started the family. The home or the family is the basic unit of society. The family is to society what an atom is to the universe. The family is simply the cornerstone on which everything is built. All of us, we come from a home. Oh, you don't want to say amen to that? All of us come from a family. You didn't just drop from the sky, from nowhere. We all come from somewhere. And any society that allows the family unit to collapse will itself eventually collapse. And this is demonstrated vividly, Bazalana, throughout history. I found this very interesting about some work that was written many years ago about the decline of the Roman Empire or the decline and the fall of the Roman Empire. And in this writing, uh, a man by the name of Gibbon lists five main reasons for the fall of Rome when the Roman Empire fell. And I'm going to read, it's quite a lengthy uh, uh, excerpt, but I want to read this excerpt for you. The first reason he gives is that there was an undermining of the dignity of the home and the sanctity of the home. He says, and I quote, the increase of wealth conspired with the corruption of politics to loosen morals and the marriage bond was one of the reasons. Despite increasing competition from women and men, prostitution continued to flourish. Brothels and the taverns that usually housed them were so popular that some politicians organized votes through these brothels and guilds. Adultery was so common as to attract little attention unless played up for political purposes. And practically, every well-to-do woman had at least one divorce. This was not the fault of women. It resulted largely from the subordination of marriage in the upper classes and the money and the politics. Men chose wives or youths had wives chosen for them to get a rich dowry and make advantageous connections. Such unions which were called marriages de politique, as soon as their utility ended, the husband looked for another wife as a stepping stone to a higher place or greater wealth. So no nyala motu for the sake of money because anale chele te wa munyala and then also utu munyetsi wa mu divorce onyala omu onale chele te eng. I know you don't know what I'm talking about so I'm just I'm just uh... And the men didn't give any reason 
they merely send their wife a letter announcing her freedom and his freedom. Some men did not marry at all, alleging distaste for the forwardness and extravagance of the new woman. Many lived in free unions with concubines, simply put, fat and set. Under these circumstances, women began looking lightly upon their marriage vows and seeking in liars and the romance or affection that political matrimony had failed to bring. There was, of course, a majority of good women, even among the rich, but new freedoms were breaking down the ancient family discipline. The Roman women now moved about almost as freely as men. They dressed in diaphanous silks from India and China. They ransacked Asia for perfumes and jewelry. And they had this marriage with continuance, or the marriage with continuance as the marriage was called in the past just disappeared. And women divorced their husbands as readily as men, uh, as men did their wives. In fact, we were very shocked recently in France. My bishop and I, when we were in France, and we heard something very interesting. You know, in France, when, when, you are, when, you have been, when you are a divorcee, the state comes in to give you a grant. Yeah, 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 yeah. They do it. Yeah, yeah, they do it. So we found out, and we heard from someone from West Africa. He said many of the West African people go over there, and they marry a guy, and then just after a little I do, once the grant comes, they get rid of you, just to be able to get the grant. It's kind of amazing what people can do for money, eh? Look at your neighbor and say, I know you never do that. That's why you are so surprised at what is happening. And so, then the marriage, in these times, Ilya collapsed. And this is what was written by, it's the story of civilization, volume three. Okay, yeah, uh, uh, 1944. Now, we know in our own history in South Africa that one of the main targets of apartheid was to destroy the family structure. For instance, the system of migrant labor. You know, wherein people came to Johannesburg, to Gauteng, or other places where mining took place, and these laborers, in inverted commas, were housed in, 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 uh, in male units, exclusively male units. And you couldn't bring your family there. You know? So, uh, you know, the problem started. We know the way uh, 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 the, 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 the town planning went uh, in South Africa uh, that Black people were put as far away from their places of work as possible. You know, so where to you had to commute to go into Johannesburg. Uh, so spend a lot of money and a lot of time commuting. Such that our parents would leave very early in the morning, come back very late at night, and never have time with their children. When white people conveniently were put just next door to where they stay and where they live. And so... These things, Barcelona, affect the family unit. And therefore, as it is in the natural, as we see from history, so it is in the spiritual. If the home is vital to the success of any society, it is even more, Barcelona, in the success of the church of Jesus Christ. For that reason, to establish a new home is very important and to get new principles is important. And this is why when God established the new home, as we find in Genesis 2.24, he says the reason he's establishing a new home is that a man must leave his father, leave his mother, be joined to his wife, and the two should become one flesh. And so the definition of family, therefore, when you look at different definitions, is defined as follows. The English dictionary defines the family as, number one, a group of persons of common ancestry. That's the first definition. A group of persons of common ancestry. Secondly, the family is defined as a group of persons living under one roof and usually under one head. A group of persons living under one roof and usually under one head. Thirdly, a group of things related by common characteristics and properties. Are you writing? Are you listening? Maybe I should ask you a question. Are you alive? Yes. All right. You don't, you don't look like you're alive this morning. Number four. The fourth definition. A basic unit of society having at its nucleus two adults living together and cooperating in the care and rearing of their own or adopted children. 
So it's a basic unit of society having at its nucleus two adults. And, and of course, they had to make it broad. And I don't want to get into that. But I want to say two adults, a man and a woman, who are raising their children. Now, we understand as well that uh, we also have single parent homes. Those are just as much a family as the other home that has a father and a mother. Okay? So all those definitions, even if they may be good, but I want to go to the biblical concept of family. How does the Bible define family and what's the biblical concept of family? Well, in the Old Testament when you read, you'll find that the family was a very close unit. And the family became the structure or the vehicle through God would communicate with mankind. So when God talked with mankind, he would go to the head of the family. Then, of course, it was the husband and the wife, God would go to the men. In this instance, in our case, whoever is the head of the family, whether you are a single parent as a woman or a single parent as a man, you have a family, God comes and speaks to you. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, we see that example. It says there, The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. For that reason, God then comes to the head of the home. This is why it's important for you as the head of the home to be constantly praying for your family and to be listening to God's directions concerning your family. We know as well in Genesis chapter 6 verse 18, when God spoke, he says, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark. He's talking to Noah. You and your sons and your wife and your son's wife. So God always uses the home as a unit through which he will communicate. All right? When we read the New Testament, the New Testament has several words in which the word family is used or the word household is used. And let me give you this. When you read these words, it's very enlightening because the, 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 the word that's used there for family or household, let me spell it for you. It's T-H-E. R-A-P-E-I-A. T-H-E-R-A-P-E-I-A. You can try to pronounce it. I want. This one is a very interesting word because it is very versatile. And it has a range of meaning depending on the context that is used. So, let me go through just a few of those verses. You can read them later. But I will just quote the word used for you to understand this. Not only are these verses, we are reading this from the Bible, there's also extra biblical material elsewhere where this word is used. So in Matthew 24, 45, the Bible uses the word household. Household. In Luke 12, 42, the Bible uses the word seventh. Very interesting. In Luke chapter 9, verse 11, that word means healing. Watch this now. And then, from extra biblical sources, that word, T-H-E-R-A-P-E-I-A, also means worship of God and service. Now note, Barcelona, the verb form of that word household or house, or T-H-E-R-A-P-E-I-A, the verb form of that word means to serve, to care for, or to care. Which means this. God's concept of family, when we define it in a biblical sense, family is therefore to be a base, note, where work, care, service, healing, and worship are common elements. Are you alive? Are you alive? So let me say that again. Family, therefore, is the, is the base where work, care, service, healing, worship are common elements. In other words, these are the, the values of these things are to be instilled from home. And the training of people is to be done at home. It is from a home where we need to help people discover their destiny and be ready to fulfill their destiny. It is in the home where care needs to be given. 
It's in a home where we learn to serve other people. It's in a home where healing must take place. And it's also in a home where people must learn to worship. You know, when we took our children uh, to a certain primary school, where they were still in primary school, we were really surprised, my wife and I, by uh, uh, what the, the Muslims did, you know. Uh, after the school hours, all the Muslim children would stay behind for an hour or two of religious training. And it wasn't done by the school, it was done by the parents. And you find that even from home, they are very strict. I remember the first time I went to the Holy Land, Pastor Dick and I, we, we saw a Jewish man who had taken his son to some historical place where he was explaining to him not only their history, but telling him about why he needs to worship God. And we were listening in on the conversation. And, and I remember he said two things to this boy. He said, you must always put Jehovah first. And then he said, you must never forget your history so that people should never treat you like that. And he was talking about the Holocaust. See, Barcelona, it's in the home. Unfortunately, what we do oftentimes is we relegate these responsibilities to someone else. We are living in the time of the paid professional. We love to outsource the specialist. So it's almost like when you bring your children to church, you are bringing them to the pastor to make them spiritual for you. So you find people don't pray in their homes. They don't have family devotions. Hmm? The head of the home doesn't ever have family devotions with their family. Right? So, so we t- take our children to school for the teacher to educate our children. And I understand we all do that. But you find the parents are not involved with the schoolwork of the children. They're not involved in the education of the children. Look at your neighbor and say, we to think think Yeah. So, According to God's design, it should all start in the home. You see? And this is where I, I, I argue with people when they say, Hi, Banabago Gracie, Banabago Gracie, Havana Maitsoro. Kile, Banabago Gracie, Kababana Kason Tarafel. Come on now. Hey, be fair, Bazalana. How much am I going to influence you, Kilebana, only on Sunday for two hours only? In fact, it's not two hours, I only preach for an hour. How much influence can I influence you? I mean, Kibuang Netifel. Yeah, you, you see, how much, I mean, how much can I influence people's life? One hour per week. And some of you, even in that hour, you are not listening. You're absent-minded. Look at your absent-minded neighbors. That's not necessarily amen. Yeah. See, our role is to add on what the parents are doing. The role of the school is to add on what the parents are doing. But Salana, we, we are also burdening government. You know, every time something happens, what is the government doing? You know, sometimes I feel sorry for our government. I'm being honest with you. We are expecting them to do things that they shouldn't be doing in the first place. Because these young people who are doing these things, these children, they batsukile somewhere. Yeah. Now we must burden the government and say, what's the government doing about the drug addiction? What's the government doing? What are we talking about? What is the home doing? It all starts in the home. That's only somewhere, these kids. They didn't fall from somewhere. They were born by you and me. Come on now. Uh, now you are coming alive. I sometimes feel for our government. I'm being honest with you. I sometimes feel for our teachers. I feel for our professionals. We are burdening them. We are abdicating responsibility. Yeah. We are not playing our part. But you see, God's design was that the home should be the place where it happens. That people, children must find love in the home. Both mother and father. Love in the home. Healing in the home. Affirmation in the home. Education in the home. If you go and read the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Unbelievable. God says this word, you must talk of it when you wake up, when you walk, when you lie down. You know, talk about it day and night. Take the responsibility. Take responsibility for your children. Yeah. Don't be chasing your career and the advancement of your career at the expense of your children. Yeah. You send them to go and watch television. We're now busy. So, social media. 
Ah, today. Hallelujah, Bishop. Hallelujah. So when God created the family, he did not do so without purpose or without design. He established that family as a context in which men should realize their eternal purpose. And they must know the divine image God's given them and the dominion God has given them. In Genesis 1, he says it, verse 26. God says, let us make men in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Somebody say dominion. You see, it's in a home where we must teach people about being victorious people, about people who dominate. Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, the cattle, the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Verse 28, then God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Wow. Over the fish of the sea, over the bears of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. See, family, Barcelona, is God-ordained. It's, it's ordained by God as the context in which development must happen. Yeah. It's in a family where we need to have God-centered relationship. God-centered fellowship. It's in the family where we must mold God-like character. It's in the family where we must, we must bring up God-ordained ministry, God-ordained function. It's in the home where we need to bring natural reproduction, spiritual reproduction. Children are to be born in a home with a mother and a father who takes care of them. It's in the home where spiritual dominion must be taught and natural dominion must be taught. Parents must be there to encourage their children to become. We've got to celebrate the advancement of our children. We've got to be there all the time. Husband and wife must encourage one another in the fulfillment of vision. Yeah. It's in the family where the true principles of relationships with God are taught. The true principles of relationship with mankind are taught. It is in the family where that true like character which is produced is to be taught. That's what happened with Timothy. He was raised in a good home. And when you read about Timothy, Paul says, when I look at you, I see the faith that started first in your grandmother. And it moved to your mother. And that same faith is in you. Can I hear an amen, Basara? It is in the family that all ministry and function is to be tested and proven. It is through the ministry of the family that then when we go to school, we are better people. When we go to work, we are better people. When we come to church, we are better people. It can be you are already prayed up from Kohai. from scratch here. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the goal. But you see, people have abdicated responsibility. You know, I, you know, every time I watch TV, I get so angry. I get so angry because we, we're asking the wrong questions. Hasman of a government. They are our children. You were having fun when you brought them into the world, isn't it? Or you didn't have fun? <laughs> Some of you live at Ahoyipata. So have fun raising them up. Take responsibility with everything that parenting brings. And parenting is no child's play. I tell you, even if you've read all the books, the children contradict every book you've ever read. I tell you, every one of them. Somebody said, the way Banaba is so unique, I wish every one of them, when they were born, they were born with a manual. <laughs> he says, because every one of them is, a, is an original copy. What are some of the biblical examples that show the importance of family? Well, I'll show you both the positive examples and the negative examples. And you'll see when we read this, there's nothing new. However, God expects us to follow the positive examples. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10, 6 says, now these things occurred to them as examples to us. In other words, everything that's written in God's word, Bazalana, is meant to be our examples. Can I hear an amen, Bazalana? Can I hear an amen? All right, let's go to the positive examples. Number one, we have the positive example of Joshua. In Joshua 24, 15, write it down. They don't have to show it on the screen. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
That's a good example. That's the kind of man I want to be. I want to be a man who leads my family into serving God. Amen. Yeah. Some of the men don't take responsibility for their families. They take a back seat in spirituality. And I'm encouraged that the men are correcting that. Can I hear an amen from us men? Can I hear another powerful amen? Yeah. By taking the responsibility. Joshua says, as for me and my house. Yeah. I next door by it, whatever they want. But not as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Listen what God says about Abraham in Genesis 18, 19. God says about Abraham, for I have chosen him in order that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Note, in order that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. Note what that verse is saying. You see, there are certain promises God has made in your life as the head of the home, whether you are male or female. But God is saying, for the fulfillment of those promises in your life, it will be predicated upon how successful you are in leading your family to follow God. Yes, he says, I have chosen him in order that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness. In other words, your, your family follows you. As you follow God, they follow you. Are you understanding me? And as you all serve God, then the fullness of your potential and the fullness of the promises of God becomes a reality in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Job? Wow. Job chapter 1. Verse 1, 2, 4, and 5. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. He had seven sons. Three daughters were born to him. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house, each one on his day. And came about when the days of feasting were completed that Job would send and consecrate them. You become a man or a woman who consecrates their family. Rising up early in the morning. Had Jesus. And offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Before your family eats, cover them with your prayers. Hallelujah. Bring their needs before God. Every morning, rise up early in the morning. You know, my father used to do this, and he used to have a certain habit. I didn't understand it. I understood it much later. You know, my dad would, would, would make sure that he is the first one who go high. I never could understand that this one, you know. I never could understand that. He would, he would be the first one. And, and, and I remember one day, my, my elder sister uh, somehow got out before my father could ask her. My father was so angry with her. Hey! She took her to task. He took her to task. And I think after a while I understood what he was doing. Not only was he praying for his family, but you know, whatever belief he had, he felt whatever is out there, that's going to strike my home. Let it strike me first. He was like the advanced team. Like it's about advanced team. They go ahead. Yeah. He used to pray. You know, he would pray. Wake up in the morning and pray for us. You know. And we need to do the same. Wake up in the morning and pray for your family. I tell you, your children's life will turn out a million times better. Yeah. Than Jesus. Cornelius, we read about him. Acts chapter 10, verse 1, 2, and 33. There was a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a devout man who feared God with all his household. Love it. Who said, now then, Peter, we all are present here before God to hear all that you have com- you've been commanded. When Peter came to his house, he brought his whole family. It's a beautiful thing to go to church together. Oh, Jesus. All of us on Sankarutu. All of us, we, we take time to pray. We take time. Lead your family like that. And you know, Basarana, I realize, you see, you've got to start when they're young. Start, start when they're young. And I know some of us, we, unfortunately, we, we got saved much later. Things had already took a turn, eating. But for those of you who are just starting families, start when they're young. Normalize the issue of praying to God. Let it be what we do here at home. Banaske by Makal. Yeah. When children are brought up in something, they don't question whether God is there, God's not there, whatever. All other religions do that. Yeah, Muslims do it. 
The Jewish people do it. The Hindus do it. I tell you. Literally, when the children are small, they, they marinate them. Runa, we're trying to be progressive. We're not give them options. Options are okay. I'm telling you, when I look at other religions, they don't do what we are being forced to do. No, just be open. Just expose them to everything. Yeah, that's why that we are the only ones who are told that. When you go to the where travel, you must go to countries where Buddhist countries, Muslim, you must go and check. You must go to, to, to the, 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 the Jewish places, Hebraic cultures. They don't do this progressive thing you are trying to do. They don't do it. Why? Because they know the principle. Train a child in the way you should go. When it's old, you won't depart from it. Yeah. You, you compromise. You don't pray with them. You don't go to church. You allow them to stay at home when you come to church. No, there's no. In my home, there was no. There's no question. There's no. There's no. There's no negotiation. Call me whatever. There's no question. Our children know we go to church here. on Sunday and no, I won't let my kids. They come because why I go to church. And not because I'm a pastor. Some of you, I think, because you say, no, not because I'm, even if I wasn't a bishop, even if I was a church member, I would be sitting. In fact, it's even difficult now. Don't sit there. <laughs> sit there. Like some of you are doing. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, some of you, you are too progressive. I'll put that in inverted commas. You bring in these things into your home, and when your children turn out the wrong way, you want to blame God for it. Yeah, yeah. They don't see any modeling of spirituality in the home. Nothing. Nobody reads the word. You never pray. You never pray together. You don't play gospel music. Yeah. Your number one pursuits is things that are worldly. You don't put the things of God first. There's no choice. If appointment, my children know if you have appointments, one or two. But from one until two, you are not available. There's no whom you have fallen in love with. Ah, yeah, they must go fly a kite. You're going to church. They will decide what they do after their marriage is up to them. But for as long as they are still under my care, there's no questions about that. Yeah, I can see some of you, you. You wonder what went wrong with your children. Yeah, why? I see other religions. They don't. They marinate these kids. They literally brainwash them. Brainwash. Hey! I tell you, they these kids. They wear the clothes they must wear. They eat certain foods. They won't eat your food. We're not progressive. sugar. <laughs> Then when our children are, are, have options and they are not so sure, so when they become teenagers, when they go to university, the first thing is to Yeah, yeah, because they correspond. Yeah, they correspond. Yeah. You never made an issue out of it. You didn't care the music they're listening to. You didn't care the movies they're watching. You didn't care the decision. You didn't care when they didn't go to church. You are such an understanding parent. I don't want to force my children. Sugar. What about Philip the jailer? Philip, in Acts chapter 16, 31, says Paul and Silas spoke the word of the Lord to Philip the jailer with all those who were in his house. And he was baptized with his whole house. What a beautiful thing. You know, sometimes I, I nostalgically remember the days Sarkatako Dutch reformed. You know, when my when my dominee used to do haze besuk, you know, and then he comes and visits Kohai, and we have the dominee Daso. And Some of the young people don't know what I'm talking about. There's no English term for the cabello. I don't know King Dikabelo. But then he would pray with us and talk. It was so nice sitting there together as a family. You know, that's why for me it wasn't unusual to pray. I never felt funny about praying. I've been praying all my life, so. Since I was six years old, so. Yeah. And I can say it with a little bit of more authority older now. I would rather give a barrier up a Yeah, I tell you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Quality of one's life has been the best ever in all sectors. Everything about your life turns out better. Physically, you are strong. Mentally, you are sharp. Relationally, number one. Spiritually, go on top. Socially, shabayaba. Relationally, hallelujah. Mm. Economically, arasabua. When it comes to vision and purpose, oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather make the choice for God. Yeah. And, and try to be modern. I've seen, I've seen, I've, I've been old enough to see what that brings about. People reach a certain age where they made wrong decisions and they, they have to live with the reality of their wrong decisions. And you live with it the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. When people are struggling with health issues because I'm not condemning people who have done those things. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you young people, don't be impressed by the things that you answer. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm telling you, it's not worth it. Once over addicted, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It's not worth it. Oh, come on, give a better hand than that. Come on. Come on, encourage the man of God now. Come on. Come on, encourage the servant of the Lord now. Somebody. Yeah. I know these things are no longer said from pulpits. We have become very modern. But we have dying communities. Yeah. We are in denial. We know where the problem is. But nobody wants to talk about it. They call you old-fashioned. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. You'll be grateful when you have lived to be 80 and 90 and you have lived a better quality of life. And when you, when you go home to be with God, you'll say, I'll run my race. I've finished my course. Oh, Shabaya. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Thank you for that big hand of the corner. Oh! What about Crispus? Crispus and Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, Acts 18.8. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household. We've already talked about Timothy, Louise, and Eunice in 2 Timothy 1.5. What about negative examples? Eli, he didn't take care of his responsibility. He was a prophet, man of God. 1 Samuel 3.13, for I, the Lord, have told Eli that I'm about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons brought a curse upon themselves and he did not rebuke them. Man of God as an Akhalimo. Yeah. Eli allowed his sons, they would, they would bring temple prostitutes into the temple and, and have sex with them. today. Yeah, he wouldn't say anything. Too nice. God says, I'm gonna judge you, I'm gonna judge your family. You know what I'm saying? There's no blessing better than that. Oh. Oh. To be to be chosen hobama tlanga modimo. Hore modimo a kenela lapen la hao a ikhetela muruti. Ke le tsonolo. But Eli terminated that. Terminated that. Yeah. Cuz he he wouldn't be a parent who leads his children. Proverbs 21 tells us about a family where we read about the family of a husband who's not responsible, but we also read about a family who, where the wife is argumentative. Proverbs 19.13, a contentious, the contentions of a wife are a constant dripping, and it's better to live in the corner of a roof than a house shared with a contentious woman. Proverbs 19.13 and Proverbs 21.9. Yeah. Anybody who's over-dominant, male or female, they will tear up a home. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes men reign through terror. But sometimes women do too. Yeah? This is a tasabu in the home. To tear up a home. Samuel, his sons, 1 Samuel 8.3, here's another prophet. His sons did not walk in their ways but turned aside after dishonest gain and took bribes. 
When people came to the temple, these children, instead of doing temple duties, they would take bribes. But not about root. What about a family of hatred? These are negative families. Proverbs 15, 17. Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened oxen and hatred with it. In a home where there's love. Yeah. Then eat gum. Chicken filet. T-bone steak. In a home that is filled with hatred. What about a family with an offended brother? Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And contentions are like bars of a castle where there's fighting. What about the family of a foolish son? Proverbs 19, 13. A foolish son is destruction to his father. I remember one day watching a, a it was not a documentary. It was, it was a, a, I think it was just an interview. It was news. And I saw this strong, well-built man from one of the provinces where the men are very... I saw this man break down, literally break down and, and sob uncontrollably because of what his son was doing. Hey, it broke my heart, yo. I tell you, one of the greatest desires any parent has is for things to go well with your children. Yeah, those of you who, who haven't yet reached that point, you'll understand what we talk about. Of all the things you wish for as a parent, everything, everything, all the other things are secondary. I tell you, a parent, a true parent. And let me be honest, spiritually it's the same too. My number one wish as a spiritual father is for things to go well with my children. Everything else is secondary. Everything. You work hard, you apply yourself, you do everything just to give your children a good start in life. Yeah, yeah. You live for them. Yeah. I tell you. Yeah. So therefore, God wants to restore the family. But you see, when sin came into the world, when Adam and Eve came into the world, a number of things happened. Man became a sinner. Man's mind became defiled. Man became a slave of sin. Man became an enemy of God. Man began a cause of damnation. And because of going away from the ways of God, man got into his own foolishness. And the foolish ways of man can never ever be the ways of God. Because what seems right to man only produces death. See, when the Bible says in Romans 5, 12, therefore just as sin entered the world through one man, death through sin, and this way death came to all men because all have sinned. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, it affected the whole world. And he no longer produced his family members that were in the image and the likeness of God. Instead, he produced family members with a fallen image and a likeness that looked like him. And because of that, when you read about families from the Old Testament, you note the following. We're going to go quick on this. Number one, you see disrespect for and rebellion against parental authority. In Genesis 9, we see Ham showing disrespect for his father Noah by not covering him when he was naked. In Genesis 21, we see Rachel rebelling against her father Laban by stealing the household idols. In Genesis 35, we see Reuben insulting God and insulting his father by having sex with his father's concubines. What an insult. In Genesis 4, we see hatred and envy among family members. Cain killing Abel. In Genesis 25, we see Esau having a grudge against his brother Jacob. 
Because Esau sold his birthright for him. In Genesis 37, we see Joseph's brothers jealous of him, all because he had a vision for his life. In Genesis 6, we see improper and unprincipled relationships in marriage. Where the Bible tells us that the sons of God took whoever they pleased as daughters and made them wives. Never ever honored the marriage covenant. We see Lot drinking wine and committing incest with his own daughters. We see in Genesis 12 how Abraham became self-centered and dishonest in marriage. Him saying his wife is his sister to protect himself. And his son follows in his own footsteps. Says his wife is his sister to protect himself. Instead, he wants to expose their wife to an adulterous situation to protect his own skin. In Genesis 19, we see a lack of respect and lack of love for children on the part of parents and relatives. What happened? When people came to the house of Lot and they were looking for angels and they wanted to sleep with those angels, Lot said, I'm offering my daughters instead. How do you do that, Lot? How do you do that? We see Laban, Jacob's uncle. After Jacob has wor- had worked hard to get a child, instead of giving him the one he worked for, he swaps and gives him someone else. We see husbands and wives having divided interests in Genesis 19. When God told Lot and his wife to leave the place, as they were leaving the place called Sodom and Gomorrah, the wife wasn't convinced she looks back. Instead of all of them moving in the same direction. We see in, in the house of Isaac, in Genesis 25, Isaac loved Esau, but his wife, Rebekah, loved Jacob. So it's a divided home. We see in Genesis 27, wives usurping their husband's authority through deceptive means. Rebekah disguises his favorite son, Jacob, to look like Esau. So she conspires with the son to tell a lie. We see parents favoring one child over another. We see Isaac loving Esau. We see Jacob favoring Joseph instead of the other children, and it causes problems. We see in Genesis 39, unfaithfulness between husbands and wives. We see Potiphar's wife trying to seduce Jacob into an adulterous relationship. And then we see in 1 Samuel 3, a lack of proper parental discipline. Eli did not rebuke his sons. Samuel didn't raise his sons well. The family which began as God's vehicle and development of relationship and character and ministry and fruitfulness is being rendered ineffective by the introduction of sin. What's God's answer? The family must come back to God. God's answer is Calvary, the place where Jesus died. Through the cross, God restores not only the inward spirit or the inward man, But through the cross, God wants to redeem every area of man's life, including the family. That's why when you get born again, when you get saved, it's got to show in the quality of your family life. Because Christianity is best lived at home, not in church. If you are really saved, not mokereke. Ah, I like you for the hand. Give me a big hand again. I'm asking for the big hands from this quiet seven o'clock service. Bless them, Jesus. God is not just interested in restoring individuals or restoring the church, but God wants to restore the home. That's why he said in Malachi 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And so we see when people started being exposed to God, we see in Acts 10 how Cornelius, when, when the gospel came to him, it was him and his household that God saved. We see in Acts 16 how Lydia was baptized with his entire house. How the Philippian jailer, when he, when he talked to Paul and said, what must I do? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And today I want to pray that same grace upon your life. As you repent for your sins before God, as you receive Christ as Lord and Savior. As you says the scriptures we've read and establish them as the truth in your life and as you practice your God-ordained role in the family, may God have mercy on your home. I said, may God have mercy on your family. May the hand of God be stretched in your family and be stretched in your home. You know what I'm telling you the truth. 
Even if everything ebereka, hadi sabereki ko hai. One of the politicians recently was very candid on one talk radio. When he was asked a question. And I never will forget what he said. It's in the public domain. That's why I'm talking about it. Though I may not quote their name. And I hear this man saying, I've laid my life down for this party. I've risked my own family and everything. And as it is, even some of my children are on drugs. And if the people that I laid down my life for, if that's what they're doing to me now, and he broke out crying. Doesn't matter who you are, my friend. Doesn't matter who you are. It's in the home. See, after all the suits and the ties are gone, after all the pomp and the prestige and the speeches are gone, you want to go to a home. All of us. Harasaru hudile. We want to rest in knowing that at least banavarona bainga pela. At least banavarona ba pila handlen. They are not on drugs. They are not planting children all over this place. They are not in jail. At least banavarona last na niksi mara at least waza. That's why I, 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 I get surprised. Yeah, please, another hand for, for the bishop, please. I'm asking. That's why sometimes it surprises me with parents when, when their children start coming more crazy more. And all of a sudden, I don't understand those kinds of parents. All the years. But one for me, it wouldn't matter when my children go to church. Oh. If, if, the, if the other church speaks better to their lives than I do, oh, Jesus. As long as I look on your Oh. What a foolish parent. What a foolish parent. Yeah. I just felt today when I was praying. I want to pray for grace. Mama Pilongarona. Grace. Grace. Mudimu Aru Kwele some of you, you're sitting here, you, you're carrying burdens in here. God is aware. Yeah. All those nights where you've cried yourself to sleep, all those nights where you've asked questions that you couldn't answer, He's aware. Who Jesus, la la la. Appendulu, 